I just like the fact that we get to have a conversation at least once a week where I can talk to you or Mike or Andy or Matt or Jared or whomever it is, because I'm less concerned with like guess, I should yeah. say, rather than yeah. like, yeah, Makes let's sense. just see what's, see, what's, see what's going on in Jericho's life. We've talked about this. You've gone on way more podcasts than I have, but I've gone on a decent amount of other people's. Right. And I feel like I want to just like record my podcast and just like go to the people and like just give them the tape. Be like, here you go. But when I've been a repeat offender on pod, it gets better. Like I just did Andy's again. And it, we talked about all kinds of cool new stuff rather than like kind of the, the checklist. Yeah. I usually go to. So like Ranger yeah. Battalion, G-Watt. Uh, uh, like, the history of Jericho Dinner is long and colorful one dating back to 1997. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's your... Uh, so what's your thing that you're doing now? You're doing like, uh, the thing I like about Jericho is he's always got some whiz-bang thing that he's doing, you know? Irons in the fire. Yeah, yeah. you got a couple irons in the fire. What's the thing that you're doing now? What's uh, going on? So just got back from Kalispell, just went up there, hung out with Andy Stump a bit uh, with Jenna Bakken. Um, planning a few things for October. So in October, going to Grenada with my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the 40th anniversary of Operation Urgent Fury in uh, Grenada, which right. a lot of people don't know what it is, where it is. It's, um, and they island. don't know Grenada? Yeah, like huh. where it is, that it happened. Yeah. Um, it's a huge deal down there. It's their Thanksgiving is the day that the United States invaded and li- basically liberated them from the, from the commies. Really? Yeah. Um, so they do a whole big... It's like a big, it's like kind of like the D-Day celebration in France, Mm -hmm. but it's their thing. So planning that, we're planning another event with the Round Canopy Parachute team, Mm -hmm. um, trying to get one of our subscribers down there to go through the Round Canopy course, taking some time off, going to Europe, going to go jump in Denmark, 25K, jump in Denmark on oxygen. O2. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have to train up for that? No. I mean, you don't, there is, there's like a ground school portion, but it's right. pretty, um, I haven't dug into that a whole lot yet, uh, right. but no, the guy that's running that is, uh, he ran all the parachuting stuff in Antarctica. His name's PH. That's what we called him. Probably PH? Paul Henry or something. Oh. French guy. Yeah. And he does, uh, he has the world record for the highest ever skydive, like landing. He landed, fuck, it was like 6,100 meters is where he landed. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. he's a big, like, jumping on oxygen, mm. hey-ho um, guy. So he does, like, a hey-ho boogie in France. He jumps a lot of people into the Swiss Alps. Mm-hmm. Um, and through our buddy Gerard is where right. the Denmark thing right. came about. Um, Gerard... Depardieu. Yeah, Gerard Depardieu. He right. was a big French actor. He had some mishaps with touching people. Yeah. Um, and now he's not a super famous actor. He now runs a uh, t-shirt company. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, so man. I think. Yeah, that carries what me do you, through. What to are October. you most? What are you most excited about though? Like, what's what's the thing that you're like when you roll out of bed in the morning and you're like, this is going to be epic. Is it Grenada? Is it Normandy next year? Is it like yeah, def- steak you're going to cook on Friday? Like, what, what, what is the thing that's driving you? Uh, 
That's a complex question because I'm never really happy about anything. I'm just yeah, kind of a miserable fuck. You're a curmudgeon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, most of these things I do are just to kind of like make my mom and dad be like, that's really cool. I'm glad you got to do that. Yeah, Normandy next year, which we're in the beginning uh, stages of planning for, that is really getting me excited. I, I'm like super stoked that we'll have like a whole chalk of our people yeah. on that. Because doing it for the 79th was awesome. But at the end of the day, it was, it was you know, me and Logan, right. which was awesome. But it was, you know, it'll be really, really fucking special to have you and like all these other people from right. our ecosphere who had jumped and like, Planning that out so that we all get to feel that together. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was super special on its own, but I, I can't imagine like, and it's the 80th and like, you know, all 20 people in that chalk are going to be people that we like know and love. The real thing that I think kind of excites me or gets, gets my blood going in the morning is like doing these things and showing people that they can like do cool shit. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and however much cool shit you can do depends on, you know, the choices you've made and all that stuff. Like I get to do kind of what probably some people see as a lot of cool shit, but that's cause like, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I don't, I don't have anybody that depends on me. I can just f- go fuck off. And no one cares. Um, so it's, yeah, that's, that's really what gets me going is like, Hey man, like check this out. You can go do this. You mm-hmm. can go do that. And showing people that a lot of these things are way more accessible than they think, you know, um, my passion or the thing that like really I love the most is traveling and showing people ways of doing that. And that, again, it's super accessible when Mm -hmm. you just kind of like let it be, you know, I mean, I've I've gone on trips to Europe where I was gone 10 weeks and I spent, you know less than 40 bucks a day. Right. So like just sharing that with people and giving them opportunity to find out new cool things that they may love or they may not like it. But the other day travel, especially international travel is like such a great educator and can just broaden people's, you know, just their, their thought process, the way they think Mm -hmm. so much. I mean, just the last trip we did to France, like so many things just fucking pop out at you when you go somewhere so foreign, you know, um, about a lot of it does annoy you and make like you what? mad. What do you mean? Well, I mean, I, I hate to get like sort of political, but it doesn't matter. You Who know, cares? a big thing that popped out at me on that trip was inflation, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for you talk about, and, and for me, the inflation really smacks me in the face when I go food shopping. Right. Right. And, you go food shopping here and you can just see the price increase and you bitch about it. And then the people in, you know, in the comments section will come and be like, that's because Ukraine was invaded and that's because of this. And that's because the whole world's fucked. No, like right. food in France still costs the same. Like it's, it's not significantly more expensive. It's fucking way cheaper than it is here. And I remember as a kid, we lived in Germany as a kid. And I, if, cause my dad was in the army. So mm-hmm. we lived there for like three years and we call it on the economy was like, if you, shopped in German stores and, and all that instead of the commissary and the PX on post. Right. And I remember going out on the economy was like more expensive. Mm-hmm. Right. And I remember, you know, European cost of living being higher. And then this trip to France, I'm like, what the fuck? Like everything's cheaper, mm-hmm. you know, from eating out at restaurants to 
shopping at grocery stores. It was, it was pretty fucking apparent that we're feeling the biggest sting in the world of, you know, the global inflation that people want to blame. So, um, yeah. So those are the types of things that you can just broaden your horizons and you see different ways of life. And you're like, Oh, okay. Maybe we are getting kind of bullshitted. Right. You know, or, you know, maybe there is a different way of doing this. Um, the other thing about, you know, a lot of international travel I've found, I'll be gone for, was I gone that time? Like two and a half, three weeks. Yeah. I ate like a fucking pig, like right. just a disgusting person. Bread, pasta, cheese, fucking beers, wine. Probably drank like 10 ounces of water in three weeks. Other than that, it was coffee or wine. Or beer. Right. I lost weight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then you're yeah. like, what the fuck? Like, mm-hmm. what is going on with our food? You know, right. and here you have to be a fucking detective to eat food that's not literally poisonous. Right. You know, there we have so many food additives and, and things in our, our daily intake that are literally illegal there. You know, and like what? Uh, a lot of seed oils, a lot yeah. of preservatives, things like uh High fructose corn syrup, right. all those things, like they're illegal there. Huh. And that's it. But at the same time, I can back up and say, okay, that's a cost of freedom. Like with more freedom comes more responsibility. Right. right. So I have to do my due diligence in what I put in my body. And that's the cost of freedom. Right. And that's fine. But there does come a point where it's like when my parents are going out and buying food, like they don't know, you know, any better. They, right. Because when they were kids there, that shit didn't exist. Right. So they're just like, Oh, I'm buying this same can of soup I've bought since I was, you know, 20 years old, but now it has like 75 ingredients instead of 10. Right. You know, so what's your, speaking of which it's not a total departure, but what's your like go to, I don't fucking care. I have to have it regardless of what's in it. What, what's, what's that guilty pleasure food mm. that you're like, I got to fucking have it. I don't care. <laughs> um panda express seriously yeah like what what do you what do you what do you the orange chicken the oh, orange yeah. chicken and the fried rice at panda yeah. express that is uh, like and there's you can't just go get chinese food no that is an no. itch that only the panda can scratch yeah yeah so panda express yeah sometimes i just fucking have to have that yeah that they have like that uh shrimp whatever that that fucking the firecracker shrimp. whatever that is that's <laughs> yeah. like crack dude i had it we we had a panda the other day we ordered it and then we had it delivered for everybody at the office yeah and i went down there and i typically don't eat a, a, like dinner's the only meal that i eat right now yeah. but i went down there and i fucking plowed like oh yeah literally a thousand pounds of panda express and i didn't eat like for like their 48 hours after that like that's like gotta purge this yeah I gotta get this through my body and i felt like such shit oh yeah <laughs> the last time i like had the craving i was like i'm gonna give into it i like had a a memory unlock of the morning after and i felt like i drank a case of beer yeah like the morning after it was fucking horrible yeah, Panda Express. Sometimes yeah. I just go in there and get the orange chicken and the yeah. fried rice. I see the weird thing with with some of this stuff is like my my wife's all over this seed oil stuff. So I have there's no snacks in our house, and we have two little kids, so there's like no fucking snacks. So I'm always going to the store and like <laughs> buying random shit and throwing it in the cupboards. And she's like, "Dude, you got to read the back." I'm like, "Yeah, 
dude, I'm not reading the back packages. Like if it says sweet potato fries on it, I'm eating it. Like it's not a big deal. That's what it is. It's what it is. I'm not going to. So I I brought home something the other day and she was like so mad at me. She's like, look at the seed oil in this. Yeah. I'm like, I've been eating whatever this is for 46 years. And if I'm going to stop right now, I don't know if it's going to make a huge genetic impact on whether or not I die. If I stop eating this, I might die. (laughs) (laughs) That's the whole point. And I I honestly think my body, because I have white trash genetics, like I I come from stock, which is more like indentured servitude or Mm -hmm. like labor stock. Yeah. So I actually run on, on like light beer and fried chicken really well. Yeah. Like it just kind of, the the machine, I was saying this to, um, uh, I was talking to Cody uh, Donut yesterday, Mm -hmm. Donut Operator and, and AK guy on the phone. And we were talking about how Matt, is a Ferrari. Like mm-hmm. that thing breaks down all the time. Formula you, you, you got it. Yeah. Like you got to put the right fuel in it. It's got to have the right tires. Like Matt's body is like a formula one car, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's like a really expensive Ferrari or something like that. This is like, this is like a diesel multi-fuel Tundra. It I'm just like keeps a, going right. Or, or a T100 or I'm like Ilux. a 68 Chevy. Yeah. Small luck. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you, you put fucking corn oil on that thing. So yeah. You can it, drain the oil. Weird. I don't even know how it runs. It's <laughs> yeah. fucking runs. I did a, uh, when I was in the army still, I did an unofficial experiment where I just like ate like shit and I felt the exact same as I did. I was eating super healthy. So yeah, I think, I wonder what that, uh, what that genealogy looks like to where like, Oh, you're really fragile. Like, is that, is that royalty or, and then there's like, like you said, the indentured servants or is that, so? you know, does it go back even further? It's, it, I think it's a, it, it's, it's the, uh, princess in the pea scenario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you can throw me in the, like the barn with the pigs and I'll sleep on the hay. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. It's, it's fine. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I multi-generations of like working in a mine and like, yeah. you know, coal mines and salt mines and like just being like whipped and flogged and just shit on. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. I'm still going to operate like 80%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them, them high cheekbones, you know, <laughs> yeah. beautiful hair, Matt Bass. Like, like that, that, what I was telling him the other day, I was like, that thing ain't built to take off roads, huh? Like, yeah. you can't take that thing off road. That, that is a, that's a city driver. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have a kind of a funny, like, story anecdote about that. When I was a, a first sergeant in first range battalion, so I left, I may have told you this story, but I don't think the audience has ever heard it. I grew up in second range battalion which had a lot of different traditions and all that. And when we did EIB in Washington, second range of town, it was like, Hey, if you have your EIB and you're not running a station, it's like a three week vacation. It's hashtag, awesome. hashtag, not all heroes have wreaths. Not all heroes have wreaths. That's very true. Yeah. There's no double no-goes in combat. <laughs> <laughs> so up there, it was like kind of, Hey, I got my shit. If right. you, if you got assigned to run a station, then you kind of had to work because you're putting guys through the station for the whole train up and testing. And if you're a squad leader, you walked your guys through it. But if you're, you know, platoon sergeant, first sergeant, all that, you kind of like walk around and just check on things, make sure nothing's going crazy. But it's a nice little break, right? Because you have your fucking EIB. Yeah. You don't have to do it again. Right. Well, at first range of battalion, that was not at all the vibe. It was like, you got out there with your guys and fucking train them. I'm like, it's a fucking individual event. Why right. am I, like, if he fails, this is fucking his fault. Yeah. He should have studied harder. Again, different culture, different vibe. So in Washington, 
the, the you know the culminating event of EIB is twelve mile road march right? at the end, fifteen hundred so, miles. Right? Yeah, it's not it's yeah. not hard. So up there, it was like everybody who had their EIB just kind of came in, ate breakfast, sat around, drank coffee at the finish line, bullshitted, you know. Well, it's the night before the twelve mile road march, the end of EIB, and I'm at one seven five. Fuck yeah, this is gonna be great. I'm just gonna go in tomorrow, eat an omelet, but that's the guy's road mark. <laughs> and, and I get there and I walk out to the formation with my fucking coffee cup and I'm wearing PT uniforms, like fucking oh, the night before, by the way, I ate a cheeseburger and like eight bud heavies. That was like, I only got shit to do tomorrow. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah. Show up, walk out to the formation, all the other first aren't are there with their fucking rucksack on. In their fucking uniform, like EIB uniform. Hell yeah. And I'm like, hell what the fuck yes. are you guys doing? Like, We're doing the road march there. Guys, what are you doing? I was like, well, I was going to fucking eat an omelet and fucking hang out because I have my fucking EIB. <laughs> and they, they all kind of give me like the judgy Judgerson look. And I'm like, yeah. son of a bitch. So I run back into my fucking cough, put my uniform on, grab my rug. I go to the vending machine and get a blue Powerade, the like 16 ounce blue Powerade. Right. And put it in the fucking pouch on my rack. And I'm like, all right, let's go. And I fucking did the 12-mile road march, and they were fucking, there were these, you know, like, 22-year-olds with fucking washboard abs and shit, just fucking, it was, this was like September in Savannah, it's hot, it's fucking it's hot. hot, and there were dudes going tits up, and I, in my mind, I'm like, how in the fuck am I not going down right now, this is horrible, I feel like shit, so I got to the turnaround point, and the little road guard kid, I'm like, hey man, you got any? You got anything to eat? And he's like, oh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I was like, let me get half of it. And I fucking ate a half a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and 16 ounces of Powerade and completed the 12-mile road march in like 90 degrees, fucking 100% humidity. Right. And at the end of that, I'm like, what's wrong with me? Like, <laughs> what what is it in me that that kid that looks like a fucking underwear model that went tits up at like mile seven, like what's, what's going on there? And that, he's an F1. Like he's probably really good at one little thing, but he would be a terrible salt mine worker. Yeah. You're, you're coming from, you know, you're a utility vehicle. Yeah. Like you're a utility vehicle. That, that thing's built for one thing. It's like being an underwear model. Yeah. Like probably not too smart, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like like, really for one thing. Great to look at. Yeah. Right. Like that's, I mean, I, I used to think about that quite a bit because I would think about it in the context of it doesn't matter what I eat. I always feel the same. Yeah. I always feel the same. I just look different. So yeah. if I eat like a bowl of rice and some chicken, whatever, or if I have uh, a cheeseburger with, you know, you know, onion fries and a fucking bucket of chili, it's the same. It doesn't matter. Like if I'm on the carnivore diet or if I'm on paleo or I've, I've done everything. Like I'll, yeah. tr- I'll try it. Like I've dabbled in all this shit. It doesn't matter. It's all the same. Yeah. I, the only thing that really I didn't like was I was carnivore last year for probably six weeks. And I just felt bad. I just, I did not feel good. You get the, they call it the, the carnivore flu or whatever. I know I wasn't I w- wasn't fluy. It was I don't know if that's a word. A flu-like. It wasn't. I, I wasn't exhibiting flu-like symptoms. Uh, it was. I just felt kind of greasy for some reason. Mm. And maybe I could have eaten a different 
maybe a different style of carnivore or yeah. like mainly wild game or something. Maybe it's just like, maybe it's throwing down too many like sausages, some big brats. Mm -hmm. Brats are good. Delicious. Like they're, they're fucking delicious. Yeah. 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 I've, I generally like, I, I kind of follow, try to follow like an 80% rule of whatever I'm doing. I do it like 80% of the time or else mm -hmm. it's a long life. You know what I mean? I'm not going to eat carnivore for the rest of my fucking, are you crazy? No, I'm not doing that. It's nuts. Yeah. So, but and I like cheese and crackers. Oh yeah. It's fucking good. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you have a big charcuterie board, you know, mm -hmm. like, damn yeah. dog. I'm not going to miss out on that. No. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And especially like, you know, all the, how much we're both on the road a lot and it becomes especially difficult to, I don't even want to say like remain disciplined. It's just like, man, I want to like, I'm in pick a plate. I'm in fucking yeah. New York. I'm going to go eat a fucking pizza. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm not gonna be like, Oh no, I'm, I'm carnivore. I'm just going to, Cook it like, like that guy on YouTube that cooks the fucking the the trucker that makes all the recipes in his <laughs> yeah. hotel room. It's awesome. <laughs> that guy is so good. Yeah, yeah. We like, need to pull up that and and add it to this video because, dude, uh, when he when he made the jerky, <laughs> this guy is so awesome. Like it's like jerky in a pillowcase with a fucking hair. <laughs> it was so great. And he called it like hotel jerky yeah. or something. But he so made funny. he made tacos a couple weeks ago. <laughs> hotel tacos, like, and he's not staying in like an extended stay America hotel no. with a with a kitchen. It's like <laughs> he's fucking like a super eight, super eight, with yeah. the fucking bathroom that you know the the sink is in your room, and yeah. then there's the toilet. God, that guy's awesome. Yeah, we'll pull that up. We'll pull it up and we'll add it to this because this is freaking awesome. And like, we're back, right? Yeah. So there's a few people that I've loved following on, on social media, which is like Shithead Steve is, oh, yeah. I think it's one of the single best Instagram pages. <laughs> I'm sure everybody that we know follows them. But it's funny as I, as I go through like my mind as I'm, looking at different things in social media and then I'm looking at things that I want to repost. I'm always, I'm always a little bit sensitive to if I repost this, people will have a true look into my mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah. go, Oh, you know, uh, the, 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 the meme that I was looking at, I was like laughing so hard. It was like, you know, it's the, uh, God up in the clouds picture. Yeah, yeah. The guy in the, <laughs> And it, God gave us free will. And then we, it, it, that's the first, the opening line. And then the second one is, and then people choose to live in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> the Ohio memes are the best. Oh, fuck, dude. I could not <laughs> stop laughing for some reason. And I was like, my wife was like, what? What, what is wrong with you? Speak, like, yeah. Speaking of the shitty food, I saw there was a, a meme with, it was the Oppenheimer, you know, like the, yeah, yeah. But he was in a Taco Bell uniform. <laughs> 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 the guy's just making the mother of all like fucking ass bomb fucking burritos, you know. <laughs> that, that that to me is what the the, the internet. It, it's it's just a constant state of it's. It's a constant state of like tragedy and absolute hilarity, right? It's like it's like the highs and lows of everything, humanity, and in between, which is obvious because it's a direct representation of of, of us. But I'm. A, I love it so much for the humor. Yeah. And that, that I mean, for me, like, that's my number one thing. I love seeing like the fucking dumbest shit that I can find. It's like my favorite, my favorite thing. So those of you that are listening, what I want you to do is one, follow 
me and Jericho, if you don't, on Instagram and then send me the dumbest shit you yeah. could possibly find. Because that's what I love. Like, in, <sighs> I mean, if you're if you're involved in like the text chains between people that, that we're in, it's always the fucking craziest, dumbest shit you dumbest can find. Shit. And most 90% of the ideas that we come up with don't get executed because they're like, oh man, that's way that's too far. Just, that's just too far. <laughs> that's <laughs> way too spicy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Which is truly unfortunate when you think about it. It's like, I want to live in that world where you get to be as funny as you want to be. And, you know, yeah, this isn't a, like a political diatribe around censorship, but it's fucking tragic that people can't have a sense of humor. I mean, and truly, when we look at it, it's like comedy and comedians are the, like, they're the last stronghold yeah. for free speech in America. And it's constantly under attack. Uh, thank God there's some of these platforms that haven't gone completely fucking dumb. Like, I, I guess it's like what I've, what I've, what I've started calling it is woke tarted. Yeah. Like it's woke tarted. It's yeah. not, it's not, you know, woke is to have a, a, a simple and maybe heady comment for people that diagnose what it is. It's so stupid and illogical that it doesn't make any sense. And it's funny, like thinking about that word, <clears throat> like, I think I actually have no idea what it means, by the way. I, think, I just know what it exemplifies. I think five years ago, it had like kind of a positive connotation. It was like you read and stuff. Really? Right. I mean, that's kind of my vibe on it. Hmm. It was like five, yeah, call it like six, seven years ago. Right. Like when I was still in the mill, I, I remember because I lived in New York, I taught RTC. So I like was away from, I lived in New York fucking city. Where right. Super progressive woke yeah and woke had a very different kind it didn't have a political connotation it was like oh you watch the news on a bunch of different platforms mm. you have a you have a well curated opinion interesting was kind of like the yeah. way i took it and now it's like you know god I, I can't even fucking describe what it would mean to be that like i believe that if you want to be a dinosaur you can be like i'm right. woke like yeah. it's you're right. It's woke tarted. It's like become this thing where like, it's a, it's fucking offensive. If you were to call me that, I'd be like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> exactly. I'm not, yeah, I'm not yeah. that at all. But again, yeah. Like, I mean the term progressive 10 years ago, that just meant like, oh, I can share viewpoints with someone who I don't agree with. Right. And now it's like, no, I've progressed to the point where I could be an elephant. If I, want. I, I think what, what I was thinking about, or and I talk about it, I guess, a lot, is like this is like a a gender studies course thought exercise that people have taken to a national philosophical level that should have just stayed in like a, 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 a maybe a, a sophomore level mm -hmm. conversation from a you know in a college, and now it's transformed into this national, international in some cases a a philosophy where. If you don't agree with it, you're going to be called, you know, racist or sexist or whatever it is. And it's it's really interesting to me because it doesn't follow even what when I say Western train of logic, which would be more of like a traditional philosophical background from like, you know, Greek and, and Roman philosophy, but even from Eastern philosophy, it doesn't follow that either. Yeah. Whereas it's just not possible 
for a person to be able to like just go from like one to the other overnight. Like it's just, you can't. Like if you're born with whatever you're born with, like it's kind of like, that's what you get. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't care. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't care what anybody past the age of, you know, a certain age, I don't give a fuck what you identify as. It doesn't bother me at all. Don't care. Where it starts to be a problem for me is when you're taking this like uh, pseudo academic philosophy thought exercise and then you're instituting it and then you're teaching it or or you have the ability to teach it to my children. Mm -hmm. That's when it becomes a problem for me. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like, yeah, yo, I, I don't really want to have a conversation every day, every week around genitalia. I think it's actually fairly stupid. Mm -hmm. Like it's a, it's a really low IQ conversation point for people that continue to have this national conversation around each other's genitalia. It's fucking weird. Yeah. It's, it's this weird fixation that yeah. some portion of our fucking country has where I just, Hey, here's an idea. Maybe we should talk about physics. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's not making us progressively fucking dumber. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there are so many different offshoots of what the issue, the air quotes issue is. But one of the big ones that comes up in the media a lot is sports. Yeah, yeah. I have a fix for that. There's vagina and there's penis. Yeah. It's not the men's pole vault in the Olympics anymore. It's the penis pole vault. <laughs> like, and hey, if you're committed enough to where you want to win a gold medal, but you have a penis... And you turn it into a that's fucking commitment. That's a, that's a that is a commitment. That's serious commitment. If you're if you're ready to go down that road to get a gold medal in pole vault or ice hockey, whatever it is, I'm not going to do that. So I'm not going to say you don't deserve that gold medal. You know what I mean? I'm not, first and foremost, I'm not going to do any pole vaulting. So there's like I've never pole vaulted. It just no. was the first thing that came to mind. That's an interesting thing, which is it's very. It's one of the first things that comes to mind in the Olympics when I think about the Olympics, too. Yeah. I wonder why that is. Because you don't see it anywhere else? Like, did they yeah. have that at your high school? No. Yeah, I me neither. No. We we had, like, one sport, I think. That's, Maybe, like, two. That's we had, like, one. football and baseball. Yeah. Yeah. That was it, it. We didn't even have soccer. I I mean, you have kids, so... Maybe you've thought about this before, because I've thought about this in terms of the Olympic Games, where I'll watch and I'll be like, what in the fuck is this sport even? Yeah. How did they get into this? And I'm like, if I have kids, I'm going to get them into the most weird niche sport ever so that they can go be an Olympian. I, I think about that about every sport, though. I think about that about every sport where basketball, for instance, or football or any of them. Think about the billions of dollars that it generates from a from an economic perspective and then how big it is and how many fans there are. It's a ball that you're throwing into a basket or like running across a line. Mm -hmm. it, it, it has zero, zero relevance on your individual life and whether or not you're happy or sad. But people fucking get so wound up about this yeah. where... You know, that's my team. Well, we were at the fights the other night. We were at UFC. And, like, people were fucking pissed Going off. Going shit. Pissed off. That's my fighter. I'm like, but do you know that guy? Like, yeah. I, I don't, I mean. What's his like middle your, name? If that's, like, your cousin or your brother, your close friend, no problem. But you don't know any of these people. Yeah. And 
like I, I, I was a uh, uh, Derek Lewis was hilarious. Like mm-hmm. it was awesome. Like it was awesome, right? <laughs> it's like that guy's awesome. <laughs> this guy's awesome. He's like, I mean, it was incredible just to watch the whole thing go down. But man, people get so fired up. And don't get me wrong, like I got super fired up watching like the actual fights mm-hmm. and watching people get hit in the face or kicked or choked out, which is, by the way, super fun. However, I don't have an emotional attachment to the individual on the other set and the other side going like, man, this is my fighter. This is my yeah. guy. I don't know any of them personally. Yeah, I I do enjoy sports, but I've never like because I grew up, my dad made us play every like I had to play a sport season. Had to be in something. Yeah. But he wasn't a f- sports fan. Right. You know what I mean? He just understood the value of participating in a team yeah. sport. Um, but you know. As a kid, you're playing whatever you get into it. So I I like it, but I've never been a person that is like, fuck, we lost my team, fuck, whatever. But I do get into the Olympics and I get into the World Cup mm. because it's, it's, it's America. It's America. You know, it's like a patriotism thing. I, mm. I like to, I'll, I'll get crazy about fucking badminton. If like the women's, USA women's badminton team is playing against, you know, the Netherlands women's badminton team, I'm like, Fuck the Netherlands, you know. And Same. Get into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's kind of like if, and that's and that's my whole problem with it is if you go to a baseball game here, right? We go to the Bees. We're, mm-hmm. we're in Salt Lake. None of those guys are from Salt Lake. No. They're from. So it's, yeah. like, it's most of them are from the Dominican Republic. Yeah, all of them are from everywhere. So you're not, you like this isn't your team. And and to be fair, if somebody offered them more money, they would go to the next team. Yeah. It's not as if they're going. I'm playing specifically for Salt Lake and the representation of the national, you know, from, from a national perspective, I'm representing your city. They're like, no, I'm going to the yeah. highest bidder. Yeah. So from this certain perspective, it's transactional. It's like, this is just a transactional relationship between your athletes and your city. They don't fucking care yeah. about the city. If somebody was going to pay them a million dollars, two million or $10 million more, they would be on to like St. Louis or you know, someplace in Ohio. Yeah. Like the, Cleveland. They, yeah. Yeah. And for a minute, I actually forgot Ohio had cities and what they were. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Ohio. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's, ah, fuck, what's that guy? Is it Messi? He's one of the highest paid athletes in world history. Right. He's a soccer player. He played for, you know, one of the yeah big teams, teams in Europe. And he just moved to Miami. It's big. But like, if you follow professional soccer mm-hmm. at all, like playing in the Premier League in Europe or in the, I don't remember what all of them are called, but to come here and play for like Major League Soccer in the States, it's like a serious like uh, downgrade as far as like level of competition right. from what I understand. But he didn't give a fuck. He's like, oh, you're paying me more money. I'm yeah. go over there. Cool. Yeah. I'll pay, play for Miami. Where's that? So that would that would be interesting for us to institute a draft in special operations where you would actually have you, you would get drafted into different services and then you could be paid more. Yeah. Like think about the the, the motivation. Because so cool. dudes would be a, like we could run a combine. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like everybody shows up. Yeah. You shoot, you run, you swim, you road march, oh my god, land nav, yeah. you do everything. And then they have a draft. Yeah. They have a draft. We should special run. operations draft. Think about that. We should run sick. one. That'd be we awesome. Let's do a fictional one. Yeah. <laughs> we should absolutely do that. Because you yeah. think about that. Like if you had 
like everybody representing like all the the, the special operations units, right? Yeah, yeah. And then they're all competing for missions because they're also competing for budget. Yeah. But then if you had pay-per-view, like <laughs> Kill TV. <laughs> like, I always do. Oh, that would be so good. It's so good. Yeah. People would, it's kind of gross, but people would watch. They would like, what's a UFC fight cost on pay-per-view? Like 60 bucks? I don't know. I think it's probably, let's 60, call it that. Yeah. 60 yeah. bucks. What would, what would the average American will pay to watch a raid? Kill TV? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, like, dude, I would, I would cancel my subscriptions to everything else just so I could watch those. Yeah. And I would, I would not get sick of it. And then <laughs> after you watch for a while, you'd be like, oh, this is a Ranger platoon on Target. Yeah. They, yeah. they usually kill a few guys. Let's yeah. fucking watch that. And then some betting. So you'd have like Vegas betting where this <laughs> 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 so Ranger platoon's going to clean house. And yeah. you're like, oh, these fucking SEAL Team 6 guys, you know, oh, yeah. fucking, they're, yeah, they're, they're fucking what are they, dry they, hole again. They're doing a, oh, they're doing an offset infill. I'm going to have to watch them walk for fucking oh, two hours. man. Nah, I'm not Lame. Yeah. Oh, oh, let's, let's see if these guys are gonna fast rope in. This is gonna be fucking crazy, man. Oh, man. <laughs> they could get yeah. shot up yeah. on target. And you could you could eventually monetize it from the military and be like, hey, if enough people, if enough people buy it tonight, we'll land on the X instead yeah. of going offset. And then you know we're gonna fucking get it on. <laughs> oh, you wanna see the door gunners fucking blazing their miniguns? Oh, oh, yeah. Sign on up. <laughs> Hey, it's like, it, it, let's, let's see the crowd. You know, the crowd's like going wild. Let's get it up to so many decimals. We'll open up the minigun on target. <laughs> hey, you're on target. You're doing post-assault procedures. And like, you're just like searching everything. Like, hey guys, a hundred million people fucking bought this pay-per-view. We're going to drop the house. <laughs> Everybody out. Everybody out. We're going to drop the house. <laughs> hey, this would be so great. This would be the greatest sport on television. Uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. It could be, uh, did you ever see that movie Robot Jocks? No. Uh -uh. It's like a futuristic thing. And in the future, we no longer have wars. Every country just has these giant robots right. that have like guns on them and shit. And that's how we settle our differences as nations. And they televise it throughout the world and everybody buys you know, a thing. And there's just like one guy in the robot doing it. It could be like yeah. Robot Jocks. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. I like that. We just got to start a war with someone, though. I've thought about that because you think about how wars transitioned through the years in, in we'll call it the last like five hundred years, where there was a gentlemanly type of war that would mm -hmm. that they would participate. They'd go to the field of battle. They would, you know, we'll, we'll call it like uh, Britain and mm -hmm. France, right? So. Mm -hmm. They they fought in very uniform squares. They they really weren't using unconventional guerrilla tactics. Like they went through this they went through this this period of human history where war was outside of where I would say the, the civilian casualties. They were taking it away from people and then mm -hmm. putting it on the field of battle. And then whoever won or lost would ultimately dictate who controlled the the territory. I. That, that's a pretty interesting way to, to think about war because if you had like this place where you would just settle your disputes, yeah, you know, like Ohio, that could be a <laughs> I I offer Ohio to the world, <laughs> like hey, Russia and Ukraine, send a hundred of your best guys to Ohio, right, and they can fight it out, like in wherever the Cleveland sports teams play. Or if your presidents were like, you actually have to fight each other. But you could, you could make it multidisciplinary too. Yeah. You could say, okay, you have like, you know, you're going to do chess, you're going to do, you know, uh, MMA, you're going to do this, you're yeah. going to do like 
all the, you're gonna have a debate. You're like, you, you need to have a whole like week long thing where you, you would have to have a president that would like have their shit together. Because who's, if you're gonna go against Putin in a chess match. Who's the last American president that you would, you would, like if you were gonna, if this was the new way of the world, who's yeah. the last American president you would put up? The last American president. Ah, oh, man, that would be hard. Because if you think about like intellectual capacity, athleticism, um, I mean, man, that is tough. Because I, when you I'm think going, like, 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 I know mine. like Barack Obama was not athletic. Like he, he, he was not, he was just like a kind of a gangly nerd. Right. Yeah. And probably a good chess player. Though. Probably a good chess player. Yeah. Right. Like I'm sure he's like well-studied and he would ultimately have, a, I would say a fairly good debate presence, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. like, as far as like punching people and stuff, like choking mm-hmm. them out. No. So if you think about like W, there's uh, no way W dead, was dude. like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like W wasn't tough, nor was he, I would say, intelligent so he was just kind of a like a like the village idiot you know like the, yeah like the village apple shiner like you know like <laughs> he could throw the hey, fuck out of a baseball this guy's not gonna fucking fuck up these apples like let's give him the the apple shiner like got an old cloth he got a pile of apples up. like let's Your do that apples you know he could um, throw a baseball though yeah much. that's fair yeah, like so yeah. he's probably athletic he played baseball, baseball. He, and he did go to harvard i mean his father i would say was way more intelligent and tough and so, played College and played college. Yale. So yeah. if you went back, I think it was probably going to be HW because HW played, he was a World War II pilot, mm-hmm. played baseball, went to Yale. I, I, I probably, and he, on a fairly, I, I think he was probably a spook too. I think he was probably, yeah. he was yeah. a CIA guy for probably 20 years. So I would say HW could probably hold his own. The most recent. Yeah, like, most recent. Yeah. But like Teddy Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt would have fucking everybody, everybody. Yeah, he would he would have just beat the fuck out of everybody. Yeah, just like made them shit their teeth. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Plus, he, plus he would have debated them. He would have won it. Like, like I, I had this I had this conversation with a guy, a a, a professor in um, uh, Georgetown, like not actually the university, but the section of town, and I I offered to embarrass him both intellectually and physically because he was talking about Marxism or something from some fucking stupid socialist bullshit. And mm-hmm. I was like, if you wish I could debate you. And then I could also just beat the fuck out of you at the same time. So you'd yeah. both be like, not only humiliated physically, but then also intellectually. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I'm into that. He never took me up on the offer, which I, yeah. he actually ultimately just left the, the party. It's really surprising. I know. It's so weird. Yeah. It's weird. Um, Usually but, commies and socialists are really all about defending their, position because it's you know it's a really good position it's a such a good it's an easy <laughs> position to defend <laughs> it's you know. it's never failed that's mm. the first thing about communism and socialism. it's never failed yeah you know? I, I i think that's the thing with 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 the, the the inspiration between overthrowing the the bourgeoisie uh you know i think there is something when you look at uh, as we look at kind of the, the future of history and politics and you look at, you know, people and why they're irritated and frustrated and why political ideologies and philosophies develop or evolve, there is an underlying current that never fails, which is when you have an isolated amount of wealth and power to a very select 
you know, a very select piece of, of the population. Ultimately, people get frustrated, pissed off, and something something happens, right? And you can see it within the political institution of America right now because you have a very isolated and old political system, which now, I mean, was it like Mitch McConnell of the day? He's just like, like stroked out right on okay. national television. Like went, 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 like he, like the, the AI in his fucking head. Vapor locked. Vapor locked. I don't quite understand from, from, you know, obviously, you know, I follow a little bit of politics, and, but why do we keep voting these fucking elderly people into office? It makes no sense to me whatsoever. These people are ancient. You wouldn't hire them. For any job in America ever. Like, what are you going to fucking hire them to be the next CEO? Like, you'd be like, dude, that guy's like aged out. They're like 100 years old. If that guy walked in to be a barista here, you'd be like, nah, come on, old buddy. Yeah. You can't do that. You'll forget everything. Yeah. Like, half of these guys are out on like silver alerts. They're literally. The thing about that whole deal, I don't know when this will go up. This might not be current, but like, how in the fuck are people not talking about that right now? Oh, I don't know. I, 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 uh, I made a meme, which I thought was funny, <laughs> uh, but it just got like stomped. Like, yeah, it just got stomped. And it's interesting because that's part of the entire frustration in America is you have these like, like intellectually incompetent and what I would say is ethically dishonest or compromised people that are in office there, there. It's it's time for a younger crop of people yep. to, to get into office that can make change, that actually have enough drive to impact the political system. If you're hiring for any job, that's what you're going to look for. Yeah, like you're not, you're going to look for a guy to do your taxes and be like, oh, that guy's ninety years old. He can't find his way to the fucking bathroom. Definitely do my taxes, please. Right? Like, yeah. or I mean, how old is like? Like uh, Feinstein and Pelosi Jesus. and all these people, they're fucking ancient. Mm-hmm. They're ancient. I mean, not to mention, I mean, the president, for Christ's sake. Like, that guy is so fucking old that they're easily exploited because they're like, they don't even understand how to work their phones. No. They're like, I don't know, just newfangled Blackberry. It's like, motherfucker. <laughs> like, a Blackberry is like 20 years ago. I I love the shit out of my parents. But like they shouldn't be responsible for shit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh god, I hope they don't listen to this. No, like I mean, I don't mean that in a really yeah, yeah. like in a denigrating way. But like they're they're fucking retired. Yeah, they, you know yeah, that's yeah. the whole point of yeah, it. Yeah. My parents are retired. They 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 did their bit for the country. They 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 served in the military. They own small businesses. They raised two Americans that are now contributing to society yeah, yeah. in their own ways. Now they're retired. That's kind of the way of the world. And that we have people that are fucking older than my parents that are out there making the most important decisions in the fucking world is no. insane. It is insane. insane. Um, but they should be making that like the most important decision. What I would say is like most of these people should be making is the, is, is the choosing between chocolate and vanilla pudding. <laughs> this is the most important decision they should be making. Like yeah. none of these people are competent. Plastic like, spoon. Quite literally, like they are not competent enough to like. They shouldn't even be driving. I would be scared if yeah. they're on the road. Yeah, like, they shouldn't be driving. No, no, no. I, 
I, uh, my, my wife and I, we've been playing a lot of chess and she was telling me this fucking super funny story that her, um, um, my, my, my kids where they go to school, they've got a, a chess coach and she was talking to their chess coach and it's not like as pretentious as it sounds. It's just like any other school activity. It's like a t- chess teacher, not a coach. And, um, <laughs> he was telling this story how he, went to the airport to pick up another chess master that had flown in from like Argentina or wherever. Mm -hmm. It's like, like one of the top 10 chess players in the world. And, um, the guy driving the car, like drove to the airport. There's another guy driving, picks the chess master and this other guy up. And the chess master is like, Oh, do you play chess? And he's like, yeah. And he, and every person that plays chess has a chess rating. It's a score. And he told him his score and his score was like relatively low. And he was like, pull over the car. Stop, pull over the car. You should not be behind the wheel. Like, like <laughs> you're dangerous to society. You're so dumb. You're so dumb. This is like so, it's scary. You're scaring me. And uh, he was serious. He was dead serious. He was like, pull over. Oh, he was serious. He was serious. He wasn't making a joke. He was oh, like, wow. pull over. So this is a, you're a fucking dumb dumb. With that sort of behavior, that leads me to believe that this guy was really good at chess. Super good. I, because I like he, think, you have like, to have like a spectrum. Yeah, of, there's yeah. like yeah, social awkwardness goes way up yeah. as does your yeah. ability to play chess. I've I, I have uh, I, I've, I've basically been referring to this type of personality now as a surgeon with Asperger's. Mm-hmm. That's what I've been telling people. Yeah. It's like that guy has a personality of a surgeon with Asperger's. Basically, they're a robot. So if you think about that person, if, if you if you just think about that, like surgeons typically have the bedside manner of a mallet, yeah, right? Yeah. Of like an inanimate object. Going in, it's caught. 10% chance you're going to die. Yeah. And they're just like eating a sandwich yeah. while they tell you, like, listen. And they're like, oh, gosh, sorry. I, I got something stuck in my tooth. Right after they tell you, like, literally there's a 1% chance you're going to survive whatever surgery. They're like, oh, gosh, got a little poppy seed in my tooth. Man, that is rough. Like what? Like, I'm gonna die? No, no. Uh, I mean probably. Yeah, probably. Ninety nine percent chance. Anyway, this poppy seed thing. God, it's like stuck in my tooth. Getting need... that sandwich again. <laughs> think about that. Like, and they're like, just tell you like you have a one percent chance of living, and they're like, but think about this popcorn. You know how it gets stuck when you're eating a lot of popcorn, like right between your gum and your tooth, and they're just like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Chess is is uh, I I only played chess when I was in the army and deployed. It's like one of the ways I would pass time with a few of the different guys in my platoon that played. I was never like good at it. I was never terrible, but it's, it's a pretty interesting. Are there, since you play, are there like, so in, I'll pick a sport, Olympic weightlifting, which I used to do a lot. There was like the Soviet system, the Chinese system, the North American system. There were all these, the Bulgarian system. Mm -hmm. There were all these different kind of, not ideologies, but like, Systems, like the way you would train, the way you would taper to compete, the way that you would warm up to compete. All these things were very different depending on where the system originated from or the coach, where the coach had been brought up. Yeah. Is it the same way with chess or is it kind of a standard? Yeah, I think think it is. I mean, I don't know. I play – I mean, my wife – my wife plays a lot. Mm -hmm. My kids play – my wife is actually, she's the one that plays all the time. So she's in like, I don't know, two or three different chess clubs and she's like playing all the time. I just play her because she's, 
it's kind of using me like a chess prostitute. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's yeah. very transactional. Yeah. It's like very unemotional for her. Like it's, so I just, I'm like her chess dummy. It's, it's like a fight dummy or something, you know? Sparring partner. Yeah. Sparring partner. Yeah. Right. So I, I put in, I, I, I give it, I give it my best, you know, I'm yeah. like 50, 50. Yeah. I, I don't really like, I get into it in the context of like, it's super fun for me. I have a lot of, I like to think about it. I think, I think it probably helps as far as like brain development and, yeah. and mental acuity. I don't necessarily know what that means. I like my kids to play because I, I think that it definitely helps with, um, with the way that they're formatting process and, mm-hmm. you know, the second and third order effects and thinking things through, I think it's fucking like, like I think that the, the benefits way out, out, out yeah. the drawbacks, but I don't like it enough to give too much of a shit yeah. about like, I got to study and read books about it. Whereas like my wife is like reading books about it and doing all kinds of weird There's shit. There's probably like different setups. And yeah. yeah. So like, uh, I just, I just pulled the Stramovsky on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's the Portuguese backpedal or whatever. And you're like, what? I fucking don't know what the fuck that is. Yeah. Like, yeah. My, my span of knowing that is like I said, I played a little bit on deployments and then I watched Queen's Gambit, that Netflix oh, show. Oh man, that was really good. Was really good. That yeah. was super good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had a lot, I had a lot of, I had a lot of fun with that. It was a really fucking good series. The thing I've been getting into recently, and this is, this isn't interesting at all, but do you remember Workaholics, that yeah. series? Like so fucking good. Back on it? Back on it. I, I like to give things like a good 20 year break or whatever, how long <laughs> that's been. And yeah. now I went back. It's just as good. Yeah. It's just, fucking funny. That show is fucking, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's a sh- TV show made of memes. Yes. Yeah. Like, and we didn't even know we were doing that back then. No. Yeah. The thing I've, I got back on, uh, it's not quite as old, but I got back on Barry. Did you watch oh, Barry? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great Barry's show. really good. Great show. Yeah. It's a really good, uh, it's one of those pieces of like entertainment that has a veteran as the main character mm-hmm. and you don't even really know it. They kind of touch on it. It's right. Like, like Q storyline, you know, Yeah. but if you know, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and I like to find those. Um, I like to find things that are like that, that they never even tell you. I like go into a movie and be like, okay, what's this character's like backstory. Right. Right. Like uh, one of the ones I like to think um, in Reservoir Dogs, if you're so oh, yeah. yeah, I think Harvey Keitel's character was a bad. But he never talks about it, but just the way he talks and he's right, like taking yeah, care yeah. of guys. He knows a little bit of like shitty medicine, you know, like he was probably a, like a Vietnam vet or something. Mm-hmm. You know, those are those are cool. Um, the other one. that's like that, that. They they never really super touch on it, but it's it smacks you in the face now as taxi driver. Oh, yeah. Like great. Very much. Yeah. 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 But I don't know how I got off on that. Oh, Barry. Barry. The chess thing and because you say it's good for your cognitive, cognitive, whatever. I've been doing Wordle. Do you play Wordle? No. Oh, it's great. Is it good? Yeah. It's just. Is it an app or something? It's the New York Times. So if you get the New York Times uh, games app. So the New York Times has the most famous crossword puzzle. Oh, yeah. I just, I have like an aversion to the New York Times for some reason. Oh, yeah. They're in my past that. Came up a oh yeah. years ago. <laughs> they're uh no, they're their articles, their fucking media coverage is complete shit hot. 
shit garbage. It's it's like hot. Gosh. It yeah. It's it's uh, hot liquid garbage. It sucks. It's really, it's a really great bad. crossword puzzle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I do. I actually do like. I, I really like crossword puzzles. I used to do a ton of Sudoku, and then I just I transitioned from Sudoku into um, just uh, equations. So I just solve equations. So oh, really, just that, yeah. I have a phone app. It just like generates equations, and then I'll sit in my like I'll wake up in the morning and I'll I'll do like equations for 20 30 minutes depending and then do you have to know how to do the equations or does it kind of like coach you through it you i well you you can know and then because you like i try to do them for time so mm. it's just the process so i look at an equation and its totality and then and then try to solve it without paper okay. so you know depending on you know how you're going to execute on it, which would be like, you know, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally if it's algebra or whatever that is. Yeah. Uh, um, I just, I'll, I'll, I think that's probably one of the most beneficial things that I do for like mental acuity. Cause I, I like math. I, I like yeah. numbers. I actually fucking hate uh, writing. Like I don't uh. like it. Like I like numbers. So I like math. Like, yeah. I'm the opposite. Yeah. See, I, I, the English language doesn't make sense to me. Like it, it doesn't, it's like illogical. Like I don't understand necessarily some of the rules. It's, it's a, it's very hard for me from, uh, and, and now that I'm like 46 years old, what I've realized is like the reason I've struggled with my, like just writing in general is because it's never made sense. Whereas like math makes sense. Yeah. There are rules to it. Like you follow the rules and you direct the outcome and a hundred percent of the time it is the fucking that you follow the rules and yeah. you get the right outcome. Whereas like you can follow the rules supposedly, but you got to know all the rules. You got to know all the rules in, in the English language. And a lot of them don't make any fucking sense. That's right? what always frustrated me as like a kid in school. That's what frustrated me about math is you can't work your way through it. Mm. Like if you don't know what, I don't know, name some kind of a, formula or equation, mm -hmm. if you don't know it and you have a problem, can't do it. There's no way to do it. Yeah. And that's what always pissed me off about math. It's like, I can work as hard as I want. I'm not going to get better at this. Mm. And the only time that math has ever stuck for me was doing demo. Yeah. Like in the that's fair. Cause yeah. it like, it had an end state that like kind of mattered and it was always a thing. And there was like an outcome to it. Right. Um, whereas, with words and things like I cut like, especially like talking about the crossword puzzle. Sometimes I'll be so frustrated with one of the, the words and I'm like, and then I get it. I'm like, I see what they were getting at there. Mm -hmm. You had to kind of like find some weird way of going at it, but you could work at it without knowing yeah, what the equation what was. Yeah. You, you mm -hmm. just think about it and think about it and think about it and think about it and sooner or later it'll click. So yeah, it's interesting. The words versus math or English versus Did you ever math. get into Sudoku? No. No. The wordle is the thing I'm on now. It's not the crossword. So every day it's a five letter word and you just have to get it. So you start, you have a starter word. You just right. random five letter word. Huh? Mine is always tread. Like and like don't tread on me. Right. So if the word so let's say tread. So let's say the word has a T in it, but I put it in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. The letter will come up as yellow. 
If the letter is not in it, it's gray. If the letter is in the word and in the right place, it's green. So you look at that and you're like, okay, I'm going to make my next guess. Got it. And you just kind of problem huh. solve down and you okay. get six guesses. How often do you get it right? Every day. Really? Yeah. Cool. I, my longest streak was like 25 in a row and oh. then I missed one. But yeah, I get it almost every day. Usually in around four guesses. It's it's fun. Hmm. It's, it's challenging. I'll have to check that out. What else you got going on? What do you do? What else are you doing? Like you have your jumping. Like it would be interesting for people from a jumping perspective because you jump both rounds and now you're into squares. Mm-hmm. And then thinking about it from where we started a year ago, year plus, because you and I both did not like. Well, to be fair, none of us liked going through that course. Mm-hmm. No, we had uh, we had really good individual instructors and a very bad group instructor, mm-hmm. which made us completely and utterly terrified to jump out of a plane when it came down to it. <laughs> we, were, yeah. we were so fucking scared. Like, because all we would talk about were fucking malfunctions. Like, that's all we talked sabotage. about. Is sabotage. Like, <laughs> this, we were going through this course. This this dude, we were back there. Uh, we, we were, like, back going through some parachute. Just, like, this is the way the parachute is. This is the way it was designed. He's, like, all over the place. Like, Hey, this is the parachute, guys. Let's yeah. check this out. When, when you jump out of the plane, be careful not to do it. I thought we were talking about the parachute. The plane. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it typically works like this unless somebody comes in and sabotages it. And so you're like, what? I have what? to, pr- what? I don't even know if I want to get into this sport, this sport now. <laughs> if people are fucking sabotaging these other fucking parachutes. It happens all the time. Yeah. What? And, and uh, my instructor, she was awesome. She was, she turned to him and she was like, Dude, that was one time, like in 1983. What the fuck are you talking about? And but all of us were thinking, like, holy shit, sabotage is a real thing. Like, yeah. we can't leave our parachutes laying around. Like, people are Keep gonna an like, eye on that thing. Fucking post cut a guard. Like, <laughs> post a guard. Yeah, you I was guys talking, are gonna die. Yeah, because we're getting ready. One of the things in October, we're gonna go down and jump. A group of us in Clint trial is gonna come down, and I was talking to him. He's like, man. I don't blame you guys for being terrified. He's like, I'd been jumping for like fucking 15 years and I was fucking scared to jump after I listened to some of those classes. <laughs> so we were just like freaking the fuck out. Like yeah. everybody in that class, we were like, holy shit, dude. And uh, yeah, it's because it was also all over the place. Like, all over the place. All over the place. It was like, like, that's all I got for today. And everybody starts to like meander and like, Mila, oh shit, I forgot this one, one thing. Like one more thing. And here's a th- something that's absolutely going to save your life. And you got to know it. Well, never mind. Wait, we don't need to talk about that. You're like, what the fuck? What, no, what, what was that? Tell me what it was. Well, not important. I guess they don't teach that anymore. I, I, what? Oh, that was great. Yeah. Don't worry. You guys, you guys will be fine. Unless you don't. And then you're going to die. But yeah. hey, you might not you're die. all going to die. break your back. Yeah. You're, gonna through a, you're eating through a straw. Yeah. You're going to be driving life. a wheelchair around with your tongue. It's not a big deal. Whatever. <laughs> Fuck it, guys. Like, yeah. you got it. Like, we were fucking terrified, yeah. man. That was, yeah. Who? Uh, I was talking to Andy. And he said, he's like, you guys had a uh, 50% attrition rate in your AFF, which is Designed to not have an attrition rate. Designed not to have an attrition rate, which was like, well, once again, we go back to the Formula One car, Matt Best. Yeah. You well, know, that thing. That got real hurt. Oh, man. Yeah. We'll have to pull that video up and also add that to the podcast because Matt coming in on his approach 
and he didn't flare, hit his behind, and I'm yeah. surprised he didn't break something else. Yeah. Uh, but it, as long as long as I've known that, about every other year he has a broken bone of some type or torn ACL or torn bicep bicep or something along yeah. those. Yeah. Yeah. Jumping for, he said he'd been a year and a change. Year and change yeah. A year and six months. Yeah. So for, you know, Logan and I have been hitting it pretty hard. So yeah. I have to really re- like right now with where we're at is like the most dangerous time. Right. Because we're starting to like know a little bit. Like a teenager with a driver's license. Yeah. So I'm very, very like cognizant. I'm like, I'm still got to be ridiculous about everything. Not right. ridiculous, but like checking my shit the same way I did when I was fucking terrified, even though I'm getting a little more comfortable now. So like not letting that level of comfort influence how switched on I am when I, when I do this stuff. I am like, I have so much fun doing it and I want to do it. But the other thing with Salt Lake is like grinding up to altitude on this with the plane that they have out here. It's like, it takes 30 minutes or some shit to get to altitude. So I think now, I think what I'm, what I'm just kind of committed to is like, we just got to do like a, a jump trip every quarter where we dedicate two or three days. We go to San Diego. Uh, and, and by the way, like when you, when you kind of run the numbers on something like that, it's, it's actually more cost effective. Mm-hmm. And I think you keep more current because you're getting more jumps back to back to back yeah. and you just yeah. feel better. I, I don't feel like after I've had like a few months off, I don't like that. I don't like that feeling. I don't like, I went out and jumped uh, a couple months ago with you guys. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got one jump in because it took three fucking hours to get like one jump in. Yeah. It's, it's hard here. Uh, the other thing about, I don't really like jumping here either is the drop zone here is like 5,800 feet above sea level. Yeah. So it's like, I don't remember the math, but it's like me downsizing two canopy sizes. Right. Every time I jump here. So yeah, San Diego, Kapowson, Deland, those places are great because they're at sea level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that, that'll be interesting as we start to transition into the, well, not transition. If we start to like work through the, the, the rest of the year, we're going to be doing a round, what is it? Round canopy. What did they call that? Parachuting team. Yeah, there we go. So we're going to send a subscriber down there. We're going to team up with the 501 that's down there. Who's that? The round canopy parachuting yeah, team. There yeah, you go. 501. Yeah. And so we're, we're going to be putting this out to a subscriber. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we do that, we're going to put it out. We're going to literally say who wants to come with us to Normandy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put it out from, from multiple different channels. Who wants to come with us to Normandy? Who wants to jump? Who wants to jump on our on our chalk or however we want to like line this out? But we're gonna take like, you know, you, me, Matt, Jared, you know, a bunch of people from the company, and then you know, Andy Stumpf, Mike Glover, Tim Kennedy. I talked to Tulsi, she wants to come. So it's like a bunch of pretty excluding, of course, myself, but pretty fucking cool people. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm excited. Like, you know, 80th anniversary of Normandy, you know, as we look every June, it's just this corporate horse shit about, you know, you know, look at us, it's pride month. And it's every CEO in the fucking world talking about like how great, you know, their genitalia on genitalia is. Whereas like, we don't fucking care about that. We care about 
like what's going on in the veteran community. D-Day is a huge, huge piece of what I would say is international and specifically American history. It's very meaningful. Um, you know, June 6th is going to, I mean, it's that, that, that's such an important date as yeah. far as like being a veteran, being part of the subculture, supporting multiple generations of veterans that have been deployed for, for this country, for our constitution. That's what matters. And, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's like, you know, you and I or whomever it is, like we're not looking at, you know, who, who you're attracted to. We're looking at how much people love this country. Mm-hmm. And that's fucking cool. For me, yeah. that's cool. Like, yeah. That's like next June is, that's what we do. Yeah. Every other fucking company in America can do like, you know, rainbow colored fucking cat, cat litter or whatever they do. It's yeah. dumb. It's a yeah, low it's, IQ conversation. And it's, I, I, I think it's, it's going to be great because we could take a real, a real look at that word pride, mm-hmm. right? Like, what like what are you proud of you know what i mean and i'm not proud of my sexual orientation you're not you know I mean? it's just what i have i don't i don't look down on anyone else for theirs but it's that's like being proud of my shoe size it's just yeah. what i was born with you yeah. know what i mean and then it really it really like hits home when you're there of the impact that america's had on the Right. Because, I mean, it's wild. There are people, they're so thankful for what our country, you know, not just our country, but the allies did for the fucking world. And it's a great reminder. You're like, fuck, man. Yeah. Like all the sacrifice, the greatest generation, all those things, like they actually really had a huge impact. And when you go to that region in France and you're like, oh, fuck, man. Like as an American, you can forget. Yeah, well, and they don't. They don't, you know. And I think one of the things I, I, I Stephen Ambrose wrote that the book D Day, and I was reading it before, and I kept reading it after. But w- w- I highlighted this in it, which was the the Brit, the British military had such a disdain for combat after World War One, and they had essentially combat fatigue, and they were they'd also been infected by. Uh, pacifism Mm -hmm. and the americans hadn't so they had they had an entire what i would say is more of a pacifist and then essentially a socialist more mentality to war which was made them uh a bit more what i would say is complacent in what they were dealing with in europe which led to what was happening Mm -hmm. and then also led to such why we were involved to the extent that we were and we trained for you know two years in the logistics support, but we also did spearhead the actual combat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that it's interesting from the perspective of you know the American warfighter, like it it did lead that entire push to push the the Nazis out and essentially eliminate them. And the Soviets also couldn't have done it. Like, there's also a common um, misconception that they could have done it. That's absolutely incorrect. They couldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. Stalin was pressuring, uh, pressuring the, the United States to open up that second front because he needed it in order to essentially come in from the other side. The other thing that I thought was interesting is there's this misconception that the 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 Nazi 
the the Nazi military was was more advanced. Now we fucking if, if we look at even the the individual uh, campaigns or the individual combat action that took place between the Americans and the Nazis, we were outnumbered multiple times, and they had the internal logistic support to to support the offensive against the United States military. So being outnumbered with poor logistics, we still fucking handed them their ass. Yeah. So they had a better technology. They had more logistic. They had that. They had a tighter logistic support and we still like dumpster fuck them in every corner of the road. So it's, it's just kind of interesting where people have this misconception as to you. They were really an advanced military that, you know, without the allies support and without the Soviets intervention, like we don't know if America would have won now, we would have still fucked them up yeah. because of the way that their, their structure, their military structure and their chain of command ultimately was. Yeah. Now, even if you look at Rommel, he had, he was having his, I mean, he got his ass handed to him like ass, like he got basically chased out of Africa mm-hmm. and pulled back into Germany and uh and he he lost again you yeah. know and, and <laughs> yeah i think the most of the the stuff i've read about world war 2 and just the american fighting man or whatever and it's it's one of the funny quotes from i don't know it was a soviet general or mm-hmm. somebody was like you can't trained to fight against American doctrine because they don't follow it themselves. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Me, like, I think the way that that all came about, is like, the way we think as Americans is we're free. We yeah. have to solve our problems. Like, going back to, you know, uh, you don't know what's in your food, but like, freedom provides you the burden of figuring shit mm-hmm. out. Right? And if you're a company commander or battalion commander in World War II and you're just like getting your ass handed to you and you don't have the, you, you just have to solve the problem. And it was, even when I was in, it was the way we trained. It was, there was never a, okay, when this happens, you do this. Mm-hmm. And we always, at least in the range of time, it was never, we don't train you to know what to do. We train you to know how to think, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. how to, how to solve problems rather than a checklist mentality of like, Okay, they flanked us this way. I'm going to do this. It's no, you, it's like this is what's going on. Figure it out. And I don't think there still to this day. I don't think that there's a military in the world that operates that way. Um, even the you know the the different units I've trained with, we didn't really fight alongside, but trained with. It's it's a lot different. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a very top down way of fighting. No matter what army you're. Think it matter. Yeah. And that's, I think, what's going to win the day. And that's why we're safe in the world. What you still have to have a fighting spirit, right? That's the other piece to this, which is a conscript, uh, a lower educated conscript army doesn't have an emotional buy in that, you know, an all volunteer force does, but you still have to have a fighting spirit. So if you have a generation of pacifists that don't necessarily, uh, believe in what I would say is sovereignty and ultimately tactical hegemony, mm-hmm. then you just have a, a, a military of people that are essentially government employees, which that, that, that's a danger. Like we should be very concerned 
with recruiting right now is to yeah who yeah. they're recruiting and why because they're accepting just this like complacent uh misaligned group of people that ultimately are just going to become i think they're they're, they're not going to be combat effective I, I just don't think so i could yeah. be wrong but I, I don't think so yeah the danger of that is it, yes men mm-hmm. right like when you get to a point as a soldier or whatever fighting somewhere and if your quality of life isn't going to be that drastically different, if you win or lose, then what's the point? What's it? You know, like, Oh, I'm, I'm beholden to this. Like, you know, I'm going to get shit on either way. Why should I risk my ass to get shit on by this group of people? I'm I'm a slave over here. I'm going to be a slave over there. It doesn't really matter. If I change jerseys, the food might be better over there. Who cares? Yeah. And that's why, talk about the soviets that's why the soviets like most of their assaults they had guys in the rear that would shoot you if you retreated because and it was the same in germany so even during the the d-day invasion they had uh senior nazi party or officers that were inside the the foxholes with basically pistols that were uh that had direct orders to kill the the privates essentially the lower ranks and in, in conscripts that if they didn't fight to defend germany they would execute them yeah so that's we didn't have that we didn't we like nobody was standing on the ships like saying okay motherfuckers like get on, the landing get on or we're gonna mow you down like that's such an un-american thing like it's not yeah. even something that you could intellectualize because it wouldn't happen it's so different yeah and and i don't trying to think of like a time in our history where that anything like that's taken place. And I really, I think the Confederacy had the home guard during the Mm -hmm. civil war and they had to deal with that. They would, you know, go out and round up deserters and stuff like that. But I don't think the union side had that. I don't think so. So, I don't know. Well, man, that was good. Good catching up. We'll uh, check out the next time. It's a black coffee podcast, Jericho Denman.